You know, this passage that talked about legacy and it, it, we're going to use it kind of as a springboard to talk about the legacy of our church. And this verse, I've always loved this verse and maybe you are familiar with it too. It says, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us and it's talking about all those ancestors of the faith that have gone before. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily encumbers or ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus. I love that because, well, for a lot of reasons, but it recalls the past and it recalls the legacy that's been left to us. But then it reminds us that we're not to live in that, but rather to do our part to also leave a legacy to the next generations to carry the torch to look to the future and to look to Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith and when we think about our church here you know, there's people that we have known that are no longer with us and there's people that you've never met before uh, some of you are newer to this place than me so I know you never met him. <laughs> but these folks, nonetheless, their influence and their legacy is affecting our lives today. Uh, if you walk around the building here, you'll see that there's a cornerstone over yonder that says uh, 1947, which is when uh, Pastor Grubbs at the time came, took the church, helped him build the original sanctuary, which is now our fellowship hall. And then uh, 10 years later or so, they added on some classrooms and things. And, and then quite a few years later, all this came together. But there's all these people who, they built so much more than buildings. You know, they built a church of people. And, and lives have been changed down through the years because of it. Lives are being changed still yet today because of their faithfulness. And we recognize that today. But we're also humbled and, and we recognize the unique place that we're in today. I want to share with you just something that researchers have found to be true of churches. And I've seen this bell curve or versions of it uh, in a lot of different graphics and places and ministry conferences and things. And, and it talks about the life cycle of a church. And they find this to be true that as a church begins, you know, I mean, there's some churches that don't take off, that are planted and they don't really ever take off, but the churches that do, they go through a birth and a growth phase and a mature phase over the first 15 or so years of their life where they're really growing, they're very focused on growing, they're um, outwardly focused, you might say, on how can we make a difference in this community, what can we do to win souls for Christ, to reach people, to bring people in, to uh, do ministry. And then it's just natural that at some point the church plateaus for usually for many years, decades, where they kind of reach the spot that they're going to reach with growth for whatever reason. And, and they begin to, I don't want to use the word coast. It's not, that, it's not that no ministry happens during those years or that no great things happen during those years. It's not that at all. It's just that the culture kind of gets set. You know, this is who we are as a church. 
and, and time goes forward and uh, the focus just naturally, it's human nature, it happens in every church, the focus moves a little bit more inward. Okay, this is who we are, you know, and this is our church family, and uh, this is how we do things, you know, we've figured out a system that works for us, and that just kind of happens. Well, as the decades pass, at some point, uh, the focus gets a little bit too inward, and the the, the, this is the way we've done things, you know, kind of catches up to them, and there begins to be a decline. Now, there's other factors that feed into that, of course, as, as well, and every church's story is unique, and yet when they've done research, they found that this is very typical. And so a church begins to decline, and, and their growth rate doesn't keep up with the number of folks who can't come anymore, or move away, or, um, you know, for whatever reason, they go, and, and so then a church begins to see dropout of you know, young families and such that say, you know, I need to go somewhere else for my kids and so forth and so on. And, and this is a common experience of churches. And right now we're looking at uh, tons of churches that die every year in America. And again, the reasons are so different for everyone but the common denominator that they find, again, in research, is a lot of times they, had, they ended up with an inward focus and an unwillingness to change the way that they had done things. And eventually they died. Now dying, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Maybe we should think of another word for those churches. And that doesn't mean that those churches, you know, that their legacy doesn't live on in any sense or that, they're, that they're, it lessens what they did during that season. The church that I grew up in is one of those churches that died. And yet it left its mark on my life. And it has influenced my ministry, who I am today. And so in many ways, that church that died is still impacting you, even though it was in New Mexico, and we're here in West Monroe, Louisiana. So I'm not trying to say anything you know, negative about that. I'm just, this is what many churches experience. There are also churches who get into the plateau or even into the decline and they experience a season of rebirth and regrowth and they go through this cycle all over again. And these are churches more often than not that receive some kind of wake-up call. In a lot of cases, something happened suddenly that they said, whoa, we've got to do something or else this thing is going to be going downhill fast. And they received that wake-up call and they answered the wake-up call and they got on up out of bed, so to speak. Other churches, though, and probably more commonly, you know, it's a, the decline is slow. And it just trickles and happens and no one hardly even notices what's happening until it's too late. But I'm thankful that I believe Cypress Street Church of God took the wake-up call and said, hey, let's do some things different. Let's just try to be bold. And, and saw that you know there had been some plateau, the beginnings maybe of decline, and said, hey, before this gets out of control, let's do what we can to leave a legacy that will involve another group of people long after we're gone, still carrying the same torch that we're carrying now, with even greater opportunity to do even greater things for God's kingdom than the opportunities we had. 
Here's the thing, though. Our motive, that, that the wake-up call can't be our, our motive. What I mean is, you know, when, when a church begins to see, you know, wow, we need to do something, you know, look at what's kind of happening in our church, that can't be our motive, or else it won't work. For instance, if, you're, you know, if a church tries to just survive, they're not gonna, <laughs> okay? Because survival is still kind of a, a selfish or an inward focus. Just survive. I mean, when was the last, if you said, hey, come help us survive, you know, how many people are going to say, whoo, sign me up. So, so that can't be the motive, you know. So I want to suggest to you that our desire can't be to survive, but to thrive. To be difference makers in our community, in people's lives, in our community, and in our world. That we're, we're not here just saying, hey, we want to survive so that we can keep our building and it'll still say Cypress Street Church of God out front. No one's going to sign up for that. <laughs> and, they, and they probably shouldn't. That's not really a worthwhile goal to survive. And Jesus did not call his church and found his church to create institutions. He didn't create the church and start the church so that we could hold worship services even. Or build buildings or have building campaigns. Or have fancy lights. You know. And awesome rock bands or any of the stuff that we often do. And not that any of those things are bad. But that wasn't the point. Jesus didn't create an institution. He started a movement to change people's hearts and lives, to change the world, to make a difference in the world for His kingdom, to announce that His kingdom exists, that there is a truth out there, that God is coming again to reign and to set things right. And we, His church, are to be at the forefront of that. And so our goal and our desire has to be, and our motive has to be, that we don't want to just survive, we want to thrive. We want to be difference makers in our community and in our world. And I think that's why, you know, a while back, the, your church, our church, you know, before I got here, came to a point where it was going to be a new season anyway, you know, and a great, faithful, and classy, I always thought of Dennis Anger as classy. You know, I, I got the chance to get to know him over the years just because my family's from around here and we would come and, and just like a pastor's pastor of a pastor, you know, I mean, just always classy. At every family wedding or family funeral, uh, always kind, always, I mean, just a great example for all pastors to live by. And it's, you know, it's humbling to follow in the legacy of a pastor who was here for 20 years, you know, and other pastors that I've gotten to know about just through talking with you guys and reading the histories and so forth. But, you know, he retired and and there was this kind of decision point of, you know, where where are we going to head from here? And do we want to play it safe or do we want to be bold? Do we want to, you know, try to find kind of what we're used to or do we want to try and make a change and and the leadership decided hey we want to look for somebody 
young who's going to have some you know, new ideas and we may not like them all but uh, we'll bring them in and hopefully they can help us bring about some change in a responsible way and, and unfortunately all they came up with was me. <laughs> but I think it's safe to say that over the last year, because it's been right out about a year now, uh, we've found that this thing is working out better than probably we could have hoped for. At least I feel that way about you guys. I don't know. <laughs> may not be mutual. But it's been so neat to see over the last year so many changes that we've done that at a pace that I didn't really even foresee being able to go at. But, uh, but just, I mean, the church and the leadership has been chomping at the bit. I feel like sometimes I'm saying... Hey guys, <laughs> you know, maybe we should take it easy on this, or is this going to be too fast, or things like that. And it's been so neat to put to see the church, you know, on so many things, uh, put their money where their mouth is, so to speak, and say, uh, yeah, you know, because a lot of churches will say. In fact, I said this when I came to Canada, and one of the questions y'all asked me was something about, uh, you know change and, and bringing it you know how are you going to help us grow younger and I think one of the first things I said was well do you even really want that because a lot of churches say they want to grow younger but what it takes to do it and, and what happens when they do grow younger because all those young people get in there and they start doing di- things different and I mean it just a lot of churches don't really want that when it comes right down to it but it's been so impressive to see just how the church has embraced it and and been charging forward and it's been really neat and I just I want to share with you a little bit of some of the changes uh, that we've been doing but first just to say that these changes haven't been done just haphazardly for the sake of change and I'm sorry if it's ever felt like that to anyone who's part of this church that we're just changing to change stuff and I want you to know that everything that we've changed has been for some kind of reason. We may not have gotten it all right, but it's been purposeful. And there's some things that I think even as we go forward and you know, still have a lot of work to do and so forth, that it'll be good for us to keep as kind of directional markers. A vision that we can look forward to and say, okay, here's where we're headed and does this change or this new ministry or whatever the case may be does it fit into this does it help us get there and there's three things we're going to talk about over the next three weeks in this series and the first one is caring deeply I believe when we care deeply for people especially those who don't expect us to or especially those that society doesn't necessarily care about that when we do that we put the love of Christ on display to the world And I think that we need to become known as a church that cares deeply. And not just that cares deeply, because there's a lot of churches that feel like they care deeply. But one of the key words has to be that we show people, you know, that we put it on display. That people can feel like they're cared for deeply. Because we can have all the best intentions of caring, but if people don't feel cared for if we don't manage to show it or communicate it correctly then it makes no difference to them and they don't see the love of Christ no matter how much we feel it in our hearts does that make sense so we have to find ways to show people we care 
Another one I think is important, uh, we've talked about that one a lot, this one maybe less, is that living boldly, when we live boldly for Jesus, radically doing what we say we believe, we change the world. And again, story after story that Jesus told, and the things that we see from his life, this was not a a guy that wants us to play it safe, close to the vest, (laughs) but to live bold lives of faith. And the world doesn't need more Christians that look just like the world. They need a place that's doing things radically different. That's showing people that they care in radical ways. A people who you know, aren't just showing up to church on Sundays, but are being the church throughout the week. So we've got to be living boldly. And our ministries of our church have to be pointing us to that. And the last one that ties all that together is that Jesus has to be the subject. Jesus has to be the point and the reason why we're doing it. Otherwise, we're just another country club or we're just another goodwill society. Jesus, when he's our subject, will be bearers of life and hope into this community and into this world. You don't have to be a mega church to do that. (laughs) You just have to be someone who's committed to being as caring as Jesus will possibly help you be. And as bold as His Spirit will possibly help you be. And when we do that, people that encounter us will encounter something of Jesus. When you look at the life of Jesus and everywhere He went... Everything he did, every person and encounter that he had. And when you read it, you're just amazed at the compassion that pours out. He doesn't always say very much, and yet the person's life is touched and changed from that encounter with Jesus. Nothing else in this world has the power to do that. So Jesus has to be our subject and our point. And we can't afford to get lost in the minutiae and arguing over the how and the why and the all that. We have to keep our focus on Jesus. He's our subject. When you put all that together, it can look something like this. And we might say, may this be our living legacy. That we were a church that cared deeply and lived boldly with Jesus as our subject. So with that in mind, I just want to kind of share with you and run through uh, as quickly as possible some of the changes that we've seen around here lately. Especially for folks who, you know, I haven't been able to be here from week to week and we're so glad you were able to come today. And just see some of this and what all's been going on. But um, just in the last year, we've kind of changed, remade the logo and the signs out front and that kind of thing, and just uh, freshened things up. Not everyone likes the new logo that the Church of God rolled out, but no one, not everyone likes any logo that ever rolls out. So that's just kind of how that goes. But uh, but it's definitely the Church of God as a whole felt the need for something uh, fresher, something that would. You know, the thing we forget sometimes is that the, the sign out front's not for us. We already know where the church is. 
right? And, and we know which church we go to, and we know the name, and the, the sign is for people that aren't very churchy, you know, and they don't need something that looks churchy necessarily, or looks like what we would expect it to be. They just, uh, so anyway, we have something fresh out there, and we're still brainstorming ideas about how to get something bigger going out there, or uh, you know, I don't know, fireworks coming off the top of the sign so that people notice it a little bit more. And uh, you know, the bigger the sign, the more it says we want you to come. And, uh, and the smaller the sign, the more it says we hope you don't notice. Uh, another thing that we realized is is that nowadays, today's day and time, uh, the front door of the church is no longer the front door of the church. It's a church's website. And when people hear about a church, they get on Google or whatever, and they try to find something out about it before they step through the door. Because they don't want to go to the wrong church, you know what I mean? So the website's kind of the new front door. And so the leadership and you guys, we invested money and time into a new website that looks welcoming, that hopefully, you know... I mean, the first thing people see is, is welcome, and then an I'm new link, and uh, uh, you know, times and directions, and just basics. And of course, they can dig deeper on there, too, if they want to find out more about the ministries of our church and all. But a website that's designed to be kind of the front door. And speaking of the front door, we notice that our front door is in the back. <laughs> just by nature of, you know, the church is right by Cypress Street, so there's no parking out there. And so we noticed, you know, hey, maybe we should treat the back of our church as the front of our church, too. And not just make sure that the front looks nice, which, wow, that looks great now, too, with all the landscaping that they've done and all out there. Uh, The church has really got that looking nice. But we put some, like, fencing around some of the air conditioner units that just look, you know how air conditioner units can look. Uh, you know, the one at your house, you don't set it out on the front doorstep, you know. That's, you don't want people to notice that when they're coming to your house. It doesn't make them feel very welcome. And so we put some fencing around that. We're trying to paint some of the conduit and stuff so it's less, ooh, here's some conduit. Um, and just try to make the experience more welcoming for people. Another thing that we realize is that if you're new and you come to this church... Oh my goodness, and, and this one was probably my fault because it took me a while to learn where everything is in this place and just how to get there. And there's three different staircases that go to different parts of the upstairs and which one do you take for what. And uh, So just imagine, you know, telling a new parent, oh yeah, well your kid's in the upstairs stripe classroom. And they're like, <laughs> okay, I'll just wander around the building here. So we, uh, put up, we bought some signage and again an investment of time and money. And you know, so now when you walk around, you see signs around that kind of point you. Here's here's where you go to get here and there and everywhere. Oh. We've had some events that you know we said, okay, well here's what we typically do, but what if, you know, what if we went bold with this and invited our community to it? And one of the you know biggest success stories of that was the fall festival that ended up being way more than I think we initially dreamed of it being and it just, you know, kept, stuff kept getting added like petting zoos and pony rides and all kinds of stuff that we ended up with out in the parking lot there and uh, it just ended up being a really neat thing where people from our community came showed up, a lot of them probably would never darken the doors of a church but they had a good experience with one that night and so that was really neat 
we've gotten involved at Grace Place, which is, uh, if you're around here very much, you hear about it because people are, I mean, they talk about it in the hallways and everyone's been excited about serving at Grace Place and giving to Grace Place. And it's a really neat local ministry to homeless folks and, and the poor. Uh, music has been a big change. If you ask people what's been changing around here, probably a lot of them will say music's been changing. <laughs> and uh, our youth have gotten involved. That's Allison Newton. She's not able to be here today. But uh, almost every week is up here leading a song, uh, faithfully working hard at uh, teaching us new songs and, and learning them herself and, and leading those each week. And I just want to mention too, you know, um, it's been a lot of work for her and for others to learn some new stuff and to teach some new stuff. But I just also want to say that this church has been so receptive of that. And you hear horror stories, you know, of churches that try to change the music and, uh, you know, everything breaks loose. <laughs> and uh, I just have been so impressed with how many people who, you know, it's not necessarily their cup of tea, but they've embraced it. Or people who have found out it was just about as bad as they thought it was going to be, but they grin and bear it. <laughs> and that's just as neat to me. Because you know what that says? It says they're willing to say, instead of raising a big fuss about this and demanding that I get my way, I'm going to lay my way down for the sake of someone else. And isn't that what the whole church is supposed to be about in the first place? So when someone says to me, you know, I really don't like this, but I kind of understand what, why it's having to happen. You know, can you ease it the best you can? You know, I appreciate that so much. Because it's no small thing when you're, uh, the way that you are comfortable with worshiping gets meddled with and messed with. Uh, it's not an easy thing to say. It's all right, I don't have to have my way. That's a big thing. Those folks deserve our appreciation for sure. Uh, I don't have time to go into everything, but you know, children's ministry has been a huge one that we had to say, look, in our day and time, uh, we have to be more intentional about creating child-safe environments and consistent environments and things uh, for kids that you know, a lot of smaller churches don't think about. Because it's just kind of the church family and it's just us. And, but if you're wanting to grow, if you want young parents to show up as a guest and feel comfortable ever taking their kids back there, you've got to have something that's consistent and safe and fun. And so we've been working towards that. And of course, we'll be, that's something you, know, you don't just stop growing in. But we've made some major changes in our children's ministry over the last year. Youth ministry, too. Uh, shortly after I got here, Jimmy Petmiller said his time here was done and his season was done. And we were kind of like, well, what are we going to do? And uh, we found Kenny Sahaki. And actually, I think he found us. <laughs> but uh, went through the process of interviewing him and hired him. And we've uh, just been so thrilled with the job that Kenny and Kayla have been doing and uh, their family. And, and uh, you know, Kenny and I, we, we meet most weeks. And, and our agenda is not, you know, hey, how can we grow the youth group? It's just we've more or less talked about, uh, you know, how can we help these kids grow deep roots in their faith that's going to carry them through the next phase because you just hear story after story and statistic after statistic of kids that get out of youth group and then 
they're gone from God, they're gone from the church. So how can we help them build deep roots in their faith that are going to last beyond this? But it's amazing how God's been blessing that, and the youth group has been growing like crazy. And I think about half of them are gone today, but we still have a row full up here, so that's really cool. And uh, I mean, just the other Wednesday night, we had what, like 17 people up there, and, uh, but that's, again, not been like a, the focus, but it's just something God's been blessing us with in our, our youth. When, it, when you talk about uh, thriving and being difference makers, our youth are showing us how it's done in a lot of ways, church. And that's a really neat thing. We've been praying a lot more, too. So we see that that's necessary. Because <laughs> this is a God-sized thing we're talking about. This isn't, you know, revitalizing the ministries of a church and re-entering, you know, another birth or growth phase, uh, thriving and not just surviving those things take the Holy Spirit. And so even while we're working hard and doing our part the best we can, we have to pray as though it all depends on God, because ultimately it does. And so that's why we've been doing a lot more praying at our We Pray Nights and other events as well. And We just ask that God would help us. And we just want to ask too, you know, if you're here today and you're a guest, a family, a friend, um, even if you're from Jacksonville, Florida, there's some ways you can partner with us. And we just want to ask you to consider it today. I just wanted to mention three things. I'm sure you could think of others. But would you consider praying with us? And I mean that seriously, not just like a, yeah, I'll pray today, but would you consider partnering with us in prayer? If you feel like um, that what we're trying to do here holds worth, if it's at all um, seems worthwhile, would you pray with us, partner with us in prayer? Because like I say, if we accomplish what we're hoping and praying God has in store for us, it'll be because the Holy Spirit got involved in it mighty way and so we want to pray and I want to ask you to consider giving I'm not saying like if you've got your home church that you I mean tithe to them I'm not asking you to start tithing to us and go somewhere else or anything like that but every little bit counts and a lot of what we're trying to do you know it does take dollars and this church if you know anything about them is a giving church and our Per capita giving is through the roof. I mean, people sacrificially give around here like you don't see at many churches. But every dollar counts. And if you would be able to designate a little bit of what you would give to some kind of charity organization or something like that and, and just begin to pitch in with us in that way, we would be very grateful for that as well. And the last one I'll mention, and, and this one just... Depends on where you're at and, and what your season of life is. Some of you uh, don't have a church home. Some of you have another church home. But you know, consider attending. Especially if you don't have a church home. Consider attending our church. And if right now is not a possibility for you because of work or because of season of life or whatever the case may be. Uh, consider attending regularly at some point. Have the conversation and pray about it. 
Because we need all the help we can get. <laughs> all right? We need, uh, I mean, we need bodies here on Sunday mornings. We need people lending a hand. And it's just a lot more fun with a bunch of us together pitching in. Uh, and we'd love to have you along for the ride. Last thing I'll just say about that is I think that in many ways our Christian culture has become one where we mostly think about finding a church that will bless us. And I do think that there's something to be said for that. Obviously, we need a church that can bless us and our families. But it's also important to find a church that you can bless. And not that you can't bless a big church. Absolutely you can. But there's also churches that really need a blessing. And where your input be felt even more strongly 